0: Fun that fact. was one I of your things too. you brought back from Latvia.
1: Yeah, I brought back because a hoop.
0: all professional
3: basketball <laughs> players.
1: Yeah, it's like a little <laughs> seven-foot hoop.
3: Yeah, listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Elliot Page spoke with Oprah about his happiest moment since his transition. Reese Witherspoon is calling out the media for their double standards, and. We're talking about corporate millennial TikTok
0: with Rod Phil. It's April 29th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham.
3: And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily.
0: All right, so we're starting with Elliot Page telling Oprah about his happiest moment since his transition. In an upcoming interview for Apple TV's The Oprah Conversation, Page tells Oprah about all of the little moments that have brought him tears of joy since undergoing top surgery in March. Here's what he had to say. It's the little, it's, you know, getting out of the shower and the towels around your waist and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, there I am. And I'm not having the moment where I'm panicked. I'm not having all these little moments that used to be just being in a t-shirt. Um, it's, it's being able to touch my chest and um, feel comfortable in my body for the probably
2: the first time.
0: Elliot clarified that while he knows that top surgery isn't necessary or affordable for most trans people, it was something that, quote, completely changed my life.
3: You know, I think Elliot is just an incredible role model for people to look up to. Not that everyone has to follow his journey, but he is one of the most visible, famous trans people on the planet. You know, he spoke to Vanity Fair also about this interview that he's doing with Oprah, and he talked about how, like, his first instinct actually is not necessarily to be like so open about this stuff. But and this is uh this reporting also came from Vanity Fair. Since Elliot announced his transition, 30 states have proposed a total of 115 anti-trans bills. This is just since he announced his transition. So far, 8 of those have passed and 10 more are on the desks of governors. This is just in the very short window of time that Elliot has been openly trans. So basically, what he said was I feel like, in the position I'm in, I have no choice but to use my platform
0: to talk about this stuff. And Stephen, I want to bring up this platform. This isn't, Vanity Fair was great. Now we're talking to Oprah. And we're not talking in an article. We're talking a sit-down interview. This is a really, really big moment. And I mean, just hearing the emotion in his voice about how comfortable he feels in his own body, uh, this is going to be just such a big moment for all the cis people out there who are too afraid to ask questions. And these are just going to be answers about just showing how, you know, what it's like to be trans and how he feels comfortable in his body, just like, you know, a lot of cis people do and how he now gets to experience his body like the many other people who already do. And uh, this this is this is good.
3: Yeah. And just hearing the joy in his voice when he talked about feeling like he's finally in his own body. It's just amazing. I'm so glad that conversation is going to be pumped into every American's living room. Meanwhile, Reese Witherspoon opened up about how the media labeled her as quote good and people like Britney Spears and Paris Hilton as bad. In a recent interview with Time Magazine, Witherspoon discussed how watching the documentary Framing Britney Spears made her question the narrative of exploitation and how the media treated her throughout the years. In 2008, both Spears and Witherspoon divorced and were raising their children and experienced intense paparazzi scrutiny. But the way the paparazzi treated Spears and Witherspoon had drastic differences. And Witherspoon acknowledged, quote, What if the media had decided I was something else? I would be in a totally different position. I want to say it's my decisions or the career choices I made, but it felt very
0: arbitrary and kind of shitty. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It could have easily been her. She could have said or done one thing that the media or the mass public disagreed with and the tides could turn completely. There is such a like stark difference about how we see like Reese Witherspoon as this like, you know, buttoned up, quaint, rom-com, good girl, you know, and then just like everyone else is the bad girl. I don't know.
3: Yeah, and you can't help but think it's like that probably a piece of it is how much like Britney really leaned into her sexuality as her art. And Reese has historically taken on more of like a PG kind of role. And like both choices are totally valid, but the media villainized the fact that Britney was owning her sexuality and and wearing clothing that like showed her body. And, And Reese in her movie roles didn't do that so much. So I think that's playing into it, which is obviously very messed up.
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: Well- During the last year, I think it's very fair to say a lot of us found refuge and solace on TikTok. We all found our own little corners of the app to bring us joy, be it animal videos, choreographed dances, or trendy recipes. But one genre that's been growing in popularity has been something that Medium publication Jen branded, quote, corporate millennial TikTok.
0: And it's honestly very relatable. Throughout the last year, we've worked through a global pandemic, a reckoning on racism, a tumultuous election, and an insurrection. And yeah, that's taken a toll. And corporate millennial TikTok really captures the stress and anxiety a seemingly normal workday can bring.
1: Translating more phrases used in the workplace. Have a second to chat. Your day has come. You're finally getting fired. Per my last email.
2: You son of a monkey forker, shirt, bag, dumpster, fire, trash, juice on a stick shift.
0: The biggest account associated with the genre is run by TikToker Rod Phil, who you may simply know as Rod. Hi, Rod. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So first off, for listeners who might not be able to put your voice to your face right now, how would you describe yourself if someone came up to you and was like, oh, whoa, are you that one dude from TikTok?
1: Yeah, I'm the guy who makes anxious um, TikToks from his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to Radio Disney bops. That would be me.
0: So people really relate to your content. You know, it speaks to the millennial pandemic mindset and you've got a huge following and it seems like your success really hit when the pandemic did. Can you explain how this all happened for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I started making TikToks working from home. There's a certain level of anxiety that comes with that because you're not face to face. And I thought I was alone in these anxieties, like the misreading your boss's message on Slack, you know, and then. I started making TikToks about it and people were like, I feel seen, you know, and so then I kept going with it and kind of created a community of people who thought their anxieties were, they were alone in, but turns out the rest of America also deals with them. (laughs) Yeah,
3: well, people refer to you as being part of, quote, corporate millennial TikTok. Are you pulling inspiration for your videos from your actual work interactions?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I am. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely at first I was kind of going outside of the box of like, I'm like, no, but I want to stay true to who I am, you know, and and what I actually go through and I completely overthink and it's all me, you know, which my boss knows and laughs at and I think I portray that pretty well that it's most, mostly on me, not as much on my boss. But yeah, it's it's all real life things that I that go on inside of my brain.
0: I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people who sometimes like tell these stories about work and stuff like that, they'll do that caveat of like, my boss, if you're watching, I'm not really doing that. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, you're mm-hmm. like, no, this is what I do. <laughs>
1: this is me. And I don't think at first I was a little, a little nervous, but then like one of our HR reps followed me and she's like, you don't talk about anything that's like bad or negative. You just talk about your feelings, you know, and I think it's actually healthy, you know, it's like a kind of like therapy, you know, just to, to feel seen and to feel part of a community. Yeah. What has the reaction from your boss been like? At first, it, they were like, because uh, I didn't tell them. And then my videos obviously started popping up in like Reels and TikTok, and they started getting it sent to them, like without people knowing that they're oh, my yeah. boss. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, look at this relatable guy. But now my boss says that, oh, I completely relate to the same thing. Like my director, so their boss makes them feel the way that he makes me feel, even though he and I have a really good relationship, but it's just, what goes on inside my mind. So I think it's the millennial anxiety that I have a whole thought process on separately that I won't bore you guys with right now. But yeah, the millennial anxiety, it's real.
0: (laughs) So you actually posted a video where you reveal your company showed your TikToks at an all hands meeting. Can you tell us the story of how that went down?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, my, like our CEO, who is awesome, he's like 50 year old guy who just wants to be hip and cool. And he is like, we love him. Um, he's like our dad, but he, I I was listening and it was like kind of one of those, it's an all hands. Right. So like, you're listening to the meeting, but you're like, you're listening to it. So I was like doing other things, probably scrolling my phone to be completely honest. And then I heard my voice and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, what's that? And it was my face. It was one of my TikToks, And then he brought it up and it was kind of funny because it was the same day Shania Twain followed me on TikTok so he brought that up but most of my coworkers at this point already knew that I was on TikTok I just don't think that he actually he knew too but he downloaded TikTok to watch them so that made me super nervous and now I'll even get some slacks that it's like are you okay you know because like there was one I was talking about like season, seasonal depression you know and he's like are you like are you good and I'm like yeah I'm fine we all go through it though you know so
0: I, lo- I love this though because if he downloaded it just to watch you, he you're probably like the only person he follows. So everything uh-huh. you do is on his <laughs> just goes
1: right to his A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: we know you probably can't tell us too much, but what can you tell us about what your actual day job is?
1: Yeah, no, no worries. I work in sales and I work for a logistics company that um, works with small to medium sized businesses just to help them grow online.
3: Well, we have way more to unpack with you, which we're going to do right after the break.
0: Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert, Laura Vanderkam, teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The NFL playoffs are here, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. You can follow the action like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move to Six podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us bring knowledge from careers as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. After the Super Bowl, it's draft season. If you want to go in-depth on this year's prospects and learn what makes the top players stand out, There's no better podcast than Move the Sticks. We'll break down film from the professional and college games so you can know which player to look out for when the football season returns next fall. You'll learn a ton about the NFL, and I promise we'll make it fun along the way. We'll have several new episodes dropping each week, and you don't want to miss a single one. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome back. We're talking with TikTok star Rod. So, Rod, your work is very funny, but you're also sharing real truths that millennials and Gen Zers are having a really rough time right now. When you're talking about like mental health and anxiety, it's a big deal. Does that come from a place of truth for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It sure does. Yeah. I think as millennials, we were kind of taught to to brush things under the rug, right? And I don't think it's our parents' fault, but truly, I think that we were just unintentionally gaslit as children like you're fine you're okay suck it up keep moving i know for me where i grew up like therapy was a huge buzzword that like you didn't talk about therapy unless you were really going through it right and then even that was a negative thing where now luckily we all have the ability to go to therapy and it's such like a celebrated thing insurance covers it in certain areas and leave our workplace like encourages mental health but growing up we didn't have the same thing so i think we are kind of rehashing these anxieties now that we're starting to go through therapy and talking a little bit more openly about it, which then in turn brings it up, but we're all going through it together. Right. So that's, I think where the, the corporate millennial side of TikTok kind of <laughs> brings those truths to like, cause there's even videos that I'll see on my for you page of smaller creators. And I'm like, I didn't know I had that anxiety until right now. So thank you. you know, like certain, like being last on the email send out, like the, if they're CCing a bunch of people and I'm like, why, why is that an anxiety? But now it is, you know, it's like, wait, what are they, th- like, why was I the last one on their mind? You know, like, did they almost forget me or was I about to get fired and they added me the last second?
3: <laughs> um, has the process of creating these TikToks helped you manage your anxiety? And also like, have you heard from other people who struggle with anxiety who have been helped by your TikToks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. At first, it might like be completely transparent, I think it made it worse just cuz like I I'm not a creator. I've never been a creator. So, kind of relying on an algorithm was super stressful for me. But then the more that I grew, the more people that I've talked with that I've been doing this for a while have kind of talked me through it and have been a little bit more like a TikTok therapist if you will or social media therapist where it's healthy to to disconnect and to If not every video hits, that's fine. As long as you had fun making it and you're true to yourself, that's all that matters. But yeah, there's definitely been some even followers that I've connected with that at the end of the day, I want to be the same person I was last April that I am right now. Like I'm working my job still, you know, like I'm I'm everyone's coworker, it feels like. So I want to retain that and make sure that I never lose sight of, of that truth. And with that, like just connecting with my followers and making sure they feel seen. But yeah, I've talked to people all the time that have similar anxieties that are just like, oh my gosh, my boss, like I got one this morning. It's like today my boss sent me a Grubhub gift card and I did, couldn't figure out how to use it, but I was afraid to ask them how to use it. So now I'm just (laughs) eating leftovers. I'm like, like like those kind of anxieties like I have as well. Yeah. It's just completely random.
0: So your TikToks also address something millennials are feeling hard during the pandemic and that's our age. I want to play one of these millennial recaps that you do where you're explaining pop culture.
1: Welcome to our millennial weekly recap. First order of business, Addison Rae released a new song. Who's Addison Rae? What?
0: Why do you think this pandemic has made us feel so old?
1: Yeah, I think it's because we have the transparency with those who are younger than us, right? Is Gen Z. And we've been so caught up. Like, we've been climbing the ladder as millennials. Like, we've been grinding, working. I know for me, I worked 50-hour weeks before the pandemic. I'm probably working less now because we were in such a, a spot to want to wanna grow. But things slow down, things are put on pause. Growth has been stopped even internally in companies. Like People aren't promoting, people aren't growing. And so that caused us to stop as well and kind of reflect and see what's around us. And what's around us is this new generation under us, right? Because we've always been the youngest, you know? We've been the one who ruined the economy with avocados of whatever Boomer said about us. And so now we're kind of doing the same thing with Gen Z culture, but I feel like we with social media as well, have more transparency to the, the Gen Z culture, right. Where our parents didn't. So our parents, uh, Facebook, I guess, but it wasn't more as much of them feeling old, but now we're seeing these like fashion trends that we started, which I'll talk about my recap again this week, but like clogs are coming back, you know, which is like, Oh my God, like those people walking around their Abercrombie and Fitch jeans and clogs. It's just like screams back high school for me. Um, but yeah, those those types of things I think social media has helped us kind of see into.
3: Well, finally, I want to end with this. You are officially like a certified TikTok star. Has there been a peak moment for you on TikTok throughout this whole pandemic?
1: Shania Twain following me. 100%. <laughs> like, I think any wow. millennial would say that. Yeah, because I don't know, like growing up, like we well, could only afford two CDs. It was Celine Dion and Shania Twain. So whenever she cleaned the house, she blasted Shania, her up album, the red version. And so like... I know all the songs from that album. So her following me was just like, what? But kind of to go back what I said, in my last point is like social media, you wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be able to connect with Shania Twain 10 years ago. You know, with like TikTok, it's just easy. Like we haven't had any conversations, but that was definitely peak for me.
0: Yeah, because now you're now your CEO and Shania
1: Twain. Yeah, you. See, exactly. That's it. Oh, my gosh. It, like Lance Bass and like Chrissy Carlson Romano, like these voices from our childhood as well. But um, or David Archuleta remaking mine, which is like these like uh. people that like who would have ever thought that I would come in contact with David Archuleta again from American Idol. But it's just so funny.
3: Well, Rod, your TikToks have truly saved us during this pandemic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, please don't tell our
3: bosses we spent most of the day watching corporate millennial TikTok. Don't be a narc.
0: Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
3: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily.
0: Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God. I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey, everybody. Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show. And I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me.
2: Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass.
0: Is this Michelle Trachtenberg? I'll never tell. Hey, I'm Taylor Momsen, and I play Jenny Humphrey.
1: Hi, I'm Sebastian Stan, and I played Carter
0: Payson. That was one of the reasons I liked the character Jenny so much, is that she was very relatable.
3: The whole thing was such a joy for me to do, and I was just so thankful that
0: people responded the way they did to what we were doing. This really was just, like, wonderful. I, like, have, like, warm feelings inside. Yeah, me too. I'm giving you air hugs. mwah. <mwah> Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.